Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Specifically, there are some people who had a hard time with that. And I gotta blame one movie. <laughs> Who's playing? I'm sure you're all playing themes on your head right now, right? Okay. And absolutely, I heard some folks say it that, yeah, Jaws is definitely one of them. Okay, but then I actually just heard someone say it up here, the more recent movie for those youngsters in the room, Nemo, right? Okay, and both of these films, who's the bad guy? The shark, okay, and specifically, absolutely, the great white shark. And so sharks don't really have the best public perception because the media never portrays them in the best light. They're often made out to be this villain in the ocean, okay? And what's interesting is, the white shark in the movie Finding Nemo is named Bruce for the white shark that was used in the filming of Jaws. They named that robot Bruce. When you actually look at the story of Jaws, before it was you know, that blockbuster movie, it was a book. And it was a book written by author Peter Benchley. And Peter Benchley wanted to write a really great story. He never wanted to paint a white shark as a man-eating villain. He never wanted to cause this deep-rooted fear that then led to people all across the world thinking, we have to go out and kill all these sharks. Because he really did see how his movie put that perception out there and led to people doing just that. Killing sharks, fearing them, thinking they're awful, they're these villains, we need to go out and kill them. So he had this huge regret. So Peter Benchley actually then spent the rest of his life working in shark conservation projects and really doing everything he could to change that image that he felt responsible for putting out there. Because he knew that sharks are important. And he also knew that sharks are pretty interesting. And I think this is one of the things that a lot of people forget, is really you know, what makes sharks unique. Because they are a fish, but they're a special kind of fish. Their entire skeleton is made out of cartilage. They don't actually have any bone in their body. And it's because of that cartilaginous skeleton, they have a greater flexibility and that's what allows them to hit great speeds as they go through the water. White sharks can actually hit sprints of over 30 miles an hour, which is pretty impressive considering that they can be anywhere when fully grown, you know, from 15, 18 feet long. They were just some off coast of Hawaii, you know, that they saw that they averaged about 20, 21 feet. And to be able to hit those speeds, okay, it's pretty amazing. Not only that, but as a cartilaginous fish, white sharks have multiple rows of teeth that continuously replace one another. So how many of you here lost your baby teeth? And anyone here, unfortunately, then lost an adult tooth? Okay, it's no good when you lose that adult tooth unless you're a shark, because they can lose that baby tooth, that adult tooth, and then another tooth is gonna move forward. They've got about five to six rows of teeth in their mouth, okay? And so really amazing things that allow them to be this unique animal, those firm, rigid fins that allow them to swim at those speeds through the water. And not only when we talk about white sharks specifically, and a side note here, I've learned a white shark is the same thing as a great white shark. But when I talk up here for an hour and if I have to keep saying great white shark over and over again, I'm going to get winded pretty quickly. So bear with me as I call them white sharks. Um, but a few times now at the end, someone's raised their hand and said, is a white shark a great white shark? So I'm going to give that disclaimer right now. Um, 
But when we're looking at these white sharks, you know, they're not only a fish, but they're a predator. And they're a really good predator, okay? So good that they're what we call an apex predator. And they're positioned up there at the very top of our ocean food chain. And so their role as that apex predator is gonna to be to help maintain our ocean food chain from the top down and really make sure that different population levels are gonna stay in balance because of what they do in that top role, okay? Can you remember your question? I promise I'll answer it at the end, so store it somewhere in your brain, okay? And when we look at our ocean food chain, okay, and really look not just at the chain, but the entire web, which is what this graphic is, it's really gonna show you how all these different living things in our ocean are connected. And when we talk about the white sharks, they're one of those little bubbles, but they're connected to so many other things, okay? And so when we look at this, it's important to realize that by taking white sharks out of the equation, you're gonna see that trickle-down effect in a lot of other areas. But a lot of people right now aren't just talking about the sharks, they're also talking about the seals. And this graphic will really show you how, it doesn't matter what you take out of the equation, all living things, from the tiniest little phytoplankton to those larger sharks like the white shark, or bigger than a white shark could be the basking shark, they all serve a function, they have a purpose, and they're all connected to the other living things in our ocean, and we need them all at appropriate levels to have a healthy ocean. And unfortunately throughout history, we as humans haven't really done the best job in allowing nature to be nature and maintain those populations. And we're actually gonna take a quick history lesson here before I even get into the white shark research and what's taking place because it's important to understand about how we've gotten to where we are with our local ecosystem. There's a lot of people who think, you know, white sharks are new to this area, that we've never had white sharks off the coast of Massachusetts. That's false, okay? We've always had them as a part of our marine ecosystem. You talk to people who have been fishing off the coast here their entire lives, they're gonna tell you that they've seen them out in deeper waters, that they've always been here, and that's true. The difference is white sharks are coming in to more shallow water now. But outside of the sharks, the other conversation, as I said, is around the seals. And there's a lot of people who think that seals are new to our ecosystem. That's also false, okay? Back in the 1800s, we had so many seals off our coastline that in about the 1880s, they actually opened up a harvest. And it became people's job to go out and kill the seals. And they would kill it, cut off the nose, bring it into the town hall on the Cape, and they could get anywhere from $2 to $5 per nose. So this became the livelihood for a lot of people, going out and killing seals. They weren't really doing anything with the seal. They just thought that they were a nuisance, so people were killing them. Because of that, what do you think happened to our seal population? It went down a lot. We pretty much wiped them out in this area of New England, okay? And so then, First, the state actually put on a protection over the seal populations. And then it was in 1972, okay, that the Marine Mammal Act was actually passed. And that, you know, protected the seals at the federal level. And that's important to understand what's going on with the sharks and seals right now, is that they are both protected animals. And they're both protected at both the state and federal level. So the different seal populations we have off our coast, primarily gray seals and harbor seals, both are protected. And that federal piece of legislation that protects the seals, these smaller little ones you see here, those are the seals. This one over here is a shark. Um, 
But when we look at that, that's the same piece of legislation that also protects the right whales. So it's a really significant environmental conservation piece that's done a lot for marine mammals. And what it's done for us here in the Northwest Atlantic is it's allowed our seal population to come back, okay? We wiped them out and now they're back. And now there is research taking place to figure out how many of them are there. And with the gray seals, it's estimated that in the Northwest Atlantic, so that's really looking, their population range is more from New York going up towards Canada, about 50,000. Don't ask me about the white shark population because we actually don't know the answer to that yet. But we're working on it, okay? Um, but so with the seals being protected, and then the white sharks are also protected, and again, both in state and federal, you know, by honoring their role in the ecosystem and not interfering with those humans, we're seeing those populations come up. And we do believe that the white shark population is increasing. And what's happening is these white sharks are coming into inshore waters, as you can see here, because of that seal population that has come back. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.